So Nick had you out there on the fucking course last night, dude. How'd you like it, bro? It was great. It was like, great. I'm really ready for next week already. Dude, for uh, learn a little bit about Mike Williams here. Here with Nick Fugilis, fucking always. My boy. <laughs> I, uh, me and Nick have a lot in common, and there's, there's one thing that we uh, never really have done together. It's something very near and dear to my heart, and that's uh, largemouth bass fishing. And uh, Nick was uh, fortunate enough to be uh, brought out on a little expedition last night. Killing it, dude. This guy's out here. Hasn't fished since probably fucking... What, Bill Clinton was in office, I'd say? Yeah, just about that. Yeah, just about Clinton was in there. And I've, only, I've only gone once. Yeah, seriously. And this guy comes out here and catches three fucking fish, dude. Out here matching my total. I only caught three fish. I'm supposed to be the fucking tour guide. Did you have a good time, though? Oh, dude, I had a great time. Like dude. I said, definitely need to cut down the beers from ten to six, I think, with the combination of all of the smoking that's going on. But, uh... I mean, dude, we were out there. I, I, I definitely wouldn't have mind still being out there, but like I said, there was just too many beers. Like by the end of it, I was like, dude, too many beers, not enough fish hitting, and a lot of walking, dude. You get your exercise in, dude. Yo, I've been sure. going on this fucking tangent for only like the past six months, and I should have been doing it for the last two years. But dude, take a kid fishing, man. You got a kid in your life, whether he's your son, fucking nephew, you know, even women. I'm not going to, like, you know, make it gender specific. You got a fucking niece or a daughter that you want to take out, get to know. Dude, there's no Twitterverse. There's no Instagram. There's no Snap bullshit, dude. You know, it's just you out there with a kid learning about life, seeing beautiful scenery and giving them an appreciation for nature, dude. You might learn something about, you know, a youngster you got in your life. So I'll, I'll step down off my soapbox here and, uh... <laughs> Oh, no, dude, it was definitely a great time. And like I said, I cannot wait to do this every Monday until it's too fucking cold for us to be able to do it. Oh, dude, we're going to be out there. I'm talking Halloween. You're going to be like, wow, we're still fucking catching fish, huh? Dude, we're going to be out there. Hey, Don't man, worry as about long it. as long as the fish are in there, right? Because at, at a certain point, it must get too cold just where it's not worth it, right? Yeah, probably like the first week of November is when I really cut it quits. Like, I, I was catching fish in November last year, but it's only because we had like an Indian summer. Don't jump down my neck. I, it's just a term, a Native American summer i'm fucking sorry people but no yeah we had an indian summer and it was hot late so i was catching something but yeah usually usually october is when we wrap And on that note, welcome to Pearl Street Cinema. We are here to do the 1999 Movie Awards, um, a year that's very near and dear to me and Mike's heart, as we were discussing. Um, kind of a, a, a very big cultural year, uh, especially music-wise. We were just running down the list of singles, and it's like Blink-182, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Madonna, Jessica Simpson's first album, Christina Aguilera's first album, Britney Spears' Hit Me Baby One More Time, The Offspring, Eminem, Mambo Number 5, I'm Blue, it's just, it, the list was unbelievable. Dude, great, great fucking year for music, and like you said, like, culturally too, like, a lot of people of a certain age remember Total Request Live. Shout out Carson Daly. Is he parking cars now? What the fuck does Carson Daly do? He was such a dick in real life. Like, Seriously, he's, he's got to be doing something. Uh, hopefully, something karma related. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Seriously, hopefully he's that dude who like works for like the wicked big dickhead executive. Is like, remember when I gave you your shot, Carson? When I met you, you were waiting fucking tables. Now he's like under that guy's thumb somewhere. That would fucking be great. Shit. Just a whipping boy. So. As always, we like to start on a on a positive note before we dive into the debauchery. The inevitable debauchery, folks. Family movie of the year. Oh boy. Non-winners, Stuart Little, Tarzan, and Toy Story 2. Wow, Toy Story 2 taking the L. And that's Stuart Little with Michael J. Fox, right? Yes. He, he played, okay. All yeah. right. The only reason... I didn't give it to Toy Story 2 was because, well, I, I, if it, it gets hindered because it's a sequel, so that takes a couple points off, even though, as you're going to find out later, this movie is one of the best movies of the year. So I took a little points off because Toy Story already got rewarded, and Iron Giant came out that year. Oh, yeah. 
That's a good movie, dude. And that's an awesome, awesome movie. Deep movie. Yes, one of those like ninety-eight percent Rotten Tomatoes kind of kids movies. Yeah, great, great movie. Comedy of the year was stacked, dude. Culturally significant movies. Movies that didn't even make it. Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh, yeah. Julia Stiles. I really like that movie. Yeah. Big Daddy. Wow, didn't make it. Holy shit. Didn't make it. Because South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut came out that year. Talk about culturally significant movies. Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me came out that year. Mm. And Office Space came out that year. Holy shit, dude. And our winner... American Pie. Oh, hell yeah. Hands down, dude. I mean, that's like a cultural atomic bomb for our generation. That's a huge movie. Yeah, dude. Like, that that streak of late 90s films, it kind of capped it, right? Yeah. Because it, like, started in 97, kind of, and then Can't Hardly Wait is 98, I believe. Yeah. Varsity, Varsity Blues is, like, 98. It's this year. Oh, Varsity Blues is 99. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I feel like the teen angst movie, but but light, too, though. You know what I mean? So they kind of went, like, a different way with it. I feel like it was the culmination yeah. of all, like, the teen movies at the end of the 90s. That's that's a great pick, dude. Well, you know, the first one was Clueless. Yes. That yes. was the big one. That what, They were like, oh, we can make a lot of money making these movies? All right, here we go. Yeah. Action movie of the year, a little down, but still a lot of good ones. Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> A shot gave me? A fucking shot gave <laughs> for me? The, for the Sam Jackson scene alone. Alone. And dude. by the fact that it's a, it's one of those funny action movies, like it's so bad, it's good, yeah. you know? And Tim L. Jackson getting eaten by a shark is just, is, is worth watching it. Boondock Saints. Oh, wow. The Mummy. Okay. That's a good one. That's one that's kind of slipped under the rug. That is a great, like, PG-13 action adventure movie. The CGI, I remember at the time, was... Pretty good. Dope, dude. Dope. Remember when they actually had this... Like, when he was still mummy before he, like, yeah. fucking made it. Like, it was it was fucking cool. That shit looked cool. Really good Sunday morning movie. Yeah. But our winner, a movie we will talk about, of course, throughout the year, The Matrix. Oh, of course. I can't even believe that I didn't know that was going to be number one. Come on. Come on, Mike. What is What are those cigarettes doing to you? I thought they were supposed to enhance you. No. Wow, The Matrix... I mean, do we have to say anything else except the fucking Matrix, dude? That shit turned so much shit on its head, dude, with fucking CGI, dude. That's what I'm talking about, man. Like, the culturally significant movies, like, they were just such hits. Like, 1999 was just, like, the ultimate pop year. You know what I mean? In terms of movies and music, it was just massive. Dude, the idea of of false reality that you're living in. You know what I'm saying? Like the existentialism of 1990, the late 90s. Yeah, but it's it's literally personified with that one word now, the Matrix. Like you can just use it. You know right. what I'm saying? Like people come in and be like, "Dude, what happened when you're talking to that hot girl?" And you'd be like, "I don't know, dude. I thought I was caught in the Matrix right there." She just came up and started talking to me, and they would instantly know what you meant. They'd yeah. be like, "Oh, he, he thinks it's a false reality." You know. Soundtrack of the year. Surprise, surprise here, Tarzan. Yeah. You know Disney movies; they do it so well. Do you remember Jack Johnson? Dude, Jack Johnson just made a whole... Oh, no, that was Curious George. I'm sorry. That was Curious George. I'm thinking of. What was the fucking Tarzan banger? Who was it? It was somebody famous. Come on, dude. Phil Collins. Oh, yes. I'm such an idiot, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Phil hands down. Collins. Hands down. This, that's how they always do it, man. That's how Disney always does it. They just... They do it in an A-plus professional way. Who are we going to go get this time? Elton John. Lion King. Randy Newman, Toy Story. They just, they do, they get it done. The Matrix. When he's doing the fucking, The Matrix. Yeah. Which, once again, another verb, and it's when you, yeah, you're just slowly dodging shit. Yeah, it could be a noun, it could be a verb. It oh, yeah. It could be pretty much whatever you want. Austin Powers. Dude, and just the final scene. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach, dude, I fucking piss every (laughs) time, dude. But of course, number one, South Park. Oh, yeah. Original music. Original music, we always say it on the cast. If you have original music, and I know Disney does it a lot too, but this is 
original in both senses of the word. It's original music written by them and original topic fucking subject. They're, they're literally not artists, and yet they made... Like, they chose to make a musical out of their first movie. And the movie came out after, like, season two of South Park. It was very early on in the might show. Be, might be three. Uh, I think it's... I think it's definitely at least two. It I, is two, because it's 97. So they had 97, 98, and then yeah. maybe three was on its way out. Yeah. And they released it. Yeah, yeah somewhere around there. Because I think the show came out in 98. I think it was... I think they had... They do it weird with cartoon shows, I've noticed a lot, because they have so many episodes per season. Yeah, they do. Yeah, because they're on... I don't know, we're going to have to... I'm going to have to go look at the DVD box I, I, I think what happens is they come out in the fall, so 97, 98, 98, yeah, like 99... Ba- like and basketball, then, right? And then yeah. summer of 99, the movie comes out. And, if, I mean, just the original songs alone are just classics, I mean... Didn't we talk about Kyle's Mom's a Bitch last night when we were fishing? Sure did. <laughs> I am the dog, the big bad dog. Dude, Trey Parker and Bad Stone, shout out. Like you said, they're not artists, but can sing and perform music competently enough for it to fit the characters and be fucking hysterical. They got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Best original song. Dude. And went high on LSD, and they dressed in dresses, and... They made a plan that whenever the, a reporter asked about the dresses, they would completely ignore it and talk about how beautiful everybody looked. Yeah. It was fucking hysterical. So, uh, what's up with these two dresses? Oh, I mean, everyone just looks terrific. They really, <laughs> really do. Tripping their balls off, man. It's fucking great. Most rewatchable. Another hard category, man. Uh, Matrix, Mummy, Office Space. I gave it to American Pie. Yeah. But you could go... I mean, I was really torn between Office Space and American Pie. Yeah, easier for the comedies than... the Like, The Matrix is a super rewatchable movie, but I have to be in the mood to watch it. Right. Whereas the other two will put me in the mood to watch it. Like, if I'm flipping through the channels and American Pie's on, I'm gonna fucking stop. Right. You know, it, it, because they... um th- This category, usually they're light movies. They have to be light movies. Yeah. The Matrix is very watchable and really good, but heavy, it's Heavy it's subject heavy. matter, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We're batteries, Nick. We're all just batteries. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a concept. I know. G- great segue, because most original movie is next. Uh, nominees, Dogma, Blair Witch Project. Very, very original, dude. And Boondock Saints. Yeah. Which was great for the, you know, the backwards, you know, they showed the aftermath, and then they you go back and see what's going on, with William Defoe explaining it to the bad cops, too. Like, everything about that movie was fucking great. And and how backwards they are, the vigilanteism, the, you know, their fucking yeah. rational, you know, their weird Irish Catholic guilt that they use to rationalize the terrible things that they do somehow. It's just a really cool... They think cool, God talked to them. Yeah, and yeah really cool fucking idea. And they're fucking, their boy, too. Uh, the fucking the crazy guy uh, who's got the girlfriend. He, he's he's tweaking and he sh- they accidentally shoot the cat. Yeah, why can't I think of his name? It's fucking gonna bother uh, me. And not to mention Elliot's gonna fucking smack me, dude. Because this is like our our time favorite movie that we watch together all the time. But I, I I wanted to give it to the Blair Witch Project just because it was the first hidden camp, you know, f- found footage movie, mm-hmm. started a genre. They were able to keep it a secret, and like, they, these three Canadian kids were actually some people went to that movie thinking, oh my god, is this real? Because it was pre-internet, you know, all yeah. that stuff. Like, nowadays, um, because they were like, they were actors, like, on a Canadian TV show, that would've came out. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the first 15 minutes, Rocco. Rocco is the character's name. Rocco, yeah, yeah. that's right. Good shit. So, I... I mean, it, I, a lot of credit to the Blair Witch Project. They made a ton of money. They did a, such a great job, but it a cool concept. Shoestring budget, too, which I like. I oh, think, yeah. I always think that's cool. It was made for under 30K and made over 100 million. Yeah, it dude, made that's a fucking, fucking nuts, dude. That's crazy. But, I mean, The Matrix, between the CGI, because it was, it, it was like a new kind of CGI, you know what I mean? Like, it, they, they really went for it, and I like it, like, especially in the second one. When he's in the fight with all the Agent Smiths, and like yeah. they make it blatantly obvious that it's CGI, but it looks really good as computer. Like literally, it looks like a computer game. Yeah. And I like how they just committed to it because yeah. when where you get where you run into trouble is wanting to add extra shit or being lazy 
and trying to mix in the CGI to cover up for things. Instead, they just went for it. They're like, look, we're going to make this look like CGI on purpose. And it. I think it works really well. I think it lends itself to the film. Because if you think about it, the whole premise of the film is I'm living in, in a, a CGI yeah, world. So yeah. it's supposed to look weird because Neo, the one, is breaking the system. So you get to see the flaws. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get to see the flaws in the system. Well, only Neo gets to see the flaws. But it's, it's cool how they do it. They make it look unreal. Right. Because it's supposed to be CGI. Cool, and cool idea. So between the graphics and the, the story, I mean, that's that's a one-two combination of originality. Yeah. Which, once again, made it a fucking huge movie. I feel like you kind of have to go with that pick. Yeah. So, But shout out to the Blair Witch Project. Oh, of course. But ruined those people's career. I can't name one of the three people who was in that movie. I don't think they've ever been in anything oh, else. Of course not. Yeah. And then Dogma, Kevin Smith, yeah. very original story. What a great way to mix in a bunch of characters by if two angels, if these two angels played by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, they get kicked out of heaven because they got drunk and Matt Damon gives God the middle finger so they got cast out and they have to live in Wisconsin for the yeah. rest of their lives. That's their punishment to the end of human time. And then they have to sit outside the gates for eternity. And... This cardinal, played by George Carlin, of all people... Hysterical. ...is celebrating their 100th anniversary, and it's this Catholic dogma law that says, if you can, if you walk through these doors, all your sins are forgiven. So, if the angels do that, all their sins are forgiven, and they will go to heaven, but the problem is, God's law is universal. It's the one universal law, and if you break God's law, then the whole universe collapses. Yeah. So then they'll, they have to stop them. With a great, just great performances all around. Uh, Chris Rock's hysterical. Chris Rock as the 13th Apostle Rufus. Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> what does he say to him? He's like, he's like, you know Jesus? He's like, no, that nigga owes me 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I followed that nigga around. I could have been knee deep in Farber's pussy. <laughs> Some Hayek Good. As she, the, I always, dude, I always like as her. the muse. Yeah. Uh, what's his face? Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Snape just died this year. God, oh my God, Hans Gruber. Jesus, this is terrible. Fuck, we were talking about him last night. Oh man, we'll think of it. He, yeah. As Metatron, the voice of God. Yeah. Jay and Silent Bob. J- uh, Jason Lee. I love him. Is the demon. He's fucking great. Good movie. Oh, good movie. Character name of the year. Neo, not surprisingly. Stifler. Oh, awesome. Just because, I mean, come on. Stifler. And, and dude, and the thing about character name, too, is you gotta live up to the character. You gotta be a good character. You just can't have a good name. And And those are two great characters. God bless him, he does. Oh. Willie Beeman. Jamie Foxx, Any Given Sunday. And Willie Beeman, good name? But this character name gets increased by his rap song. Oh, yes, dude. Will it be me? <laughs> the pool party video, it's fucking awesome. Remind me when we're done with this podcast, look up um, Jamie Foxx's Celebrity Net Worth. Oh. Ooh. I'm going to say 30. You're going to say 30? I'll say 30. I'm going to say 70, only because I think he has production credits on Ray. So I think he gets back end on that. Our winner, Morpheus. Oh, yes. I mean, good lord. Not only that, once again, like you said, the character has to live up to it. Lawrence Fishburne, the goat. Kills it, dude. He's fucking awesome. Dude, you don't know really what the fuck he's talking about. It's one of those (laughs) movies, it's one of those movies, too, like, you know he's the one, because obviously it wouldn't make sense if they wrote this whole movie around him, but dude, Morpheus is the only, like, Lawrence Fishburne is one of the only characters that, like, you're like... Is he the one? This guy's not even certain. Is he being yeah. deceptive? It, what is he not telling him? Is he a bad guy? Like, dude, there's a there's a huge opening because uh, I watched that. There's a huge opening in the first one for it for him to be a bad guy. He oh, could yeah. have just been a fucking machine or a terrible person, and they yeah. never, and they didn't go that way. But very what I, what's the word I want to use? Cryptically acted. He's yeah. so cri- everything about him is supposed to be cryptic. I know in the first one because he doesn't want to tell, but it's just right. So good, dude. and it's just like he's so good that, like you said, even if he's babbling nonsense, you're like, all right, Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, I believe you. <laughs> Whatever, man. We're batteries. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Keanu Reeves is the savior. All right. All right. They, 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 Lawrence Fishburne says it. It's got to be true. Villain of the year. Not a good movie at all, and. 
a terrible, terrible movie to hear for Star Wars fans, but Phantom of the Menace. Darth Maul's a great villain. Great villain. Super cool looking. Good name. New badass double-sided lightsaber that no one's ever fucking seen before that time. Great villain. Wasted in a... Oh my god. God awful movie. So bad. Dude, is he the last frightening Star Wars villain? Just physically frightened. Like, aside from the first time you see Darth Vader, the first time you see Darth Maul, you're like frightened. You're like, oh, that's a seven foot tall demon. Demon, yeah. He looks like a fucking demon. He doesn't look like an alien. He looks like he came from the depths of hell, dude. For real. Great, great paint. The great, just a great, great yep. character. Just doesn't say anything at all. Yeah, ever. Which is Michael Myers. Well, Fuck dude, Michael Myers proves that. Once you start opening your mouth, Unless you're fucking Anthony Hopkins with the Hello Clarice. Right. You you have a giant chance to ruin it. Michael Myers, they made twelve movies because the nigga was just scary by being there. What did what did Michael Myers get? A quick shadow and a dun on the piano and it's just like, oh my god, that's Mike, fuck. That's it. You're done. D- death, pure death is coming for me. Agent Smith, The Matrix, mm-hmm. Tyler Durden, Fight Club. Yeah. Which, you know, is not really a villain, but I think that split personality disorder is the villain here and having a boring lifestyle. But number one, I mean, come on, the Blair Witch. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah, dude. Don't want to ruin it for you guys. Well, but no, because they talk about it in the movie anyway. So. Yeah, they. it's like their thing, right? That's like the beginning of the movie. That's why they're going out. Making, so. you know, possessing somebody to kidnap kids and put them in a corner and kill them one by one because he doesn't want them looking at them while he's killing them. That is the most terrifying sentence I've ever heard. Terrifying. He made you stand in a corner because he couldn't stand you to look at him while he murdered you. Yeah. And you're standing in the corner and hopefully you're first because if not, you're going to stand there and listen to your friend get fucking hacked up. Seriously, dude. That is terrifying. Terrifying, dude. And, oh... And a good movie. There's always something to be said. Like, the thing I said about Mike and uh, Mike Myers and Darth Maul, like, the silence thing is one. But there's always something to be said about a villain that you don't see, that you can only sense. Yes. Horrifying. Because you're fucked. Yeah. It could be anywhere. It could be behind me. Did the door close? Is it in the room with me? Is it a spirit? Is it a tangible thing? You don't fucking know. This is why black people look at white people crazy. You niggas are crazy. That's why. All right, here's the plan. We're going to go into the middle of the woods in Pennsylvania. Scary enough thought as it is. Middle of nowhere, woods in Pennsylvania. We're going to go stake out an area of land that we don't know and not familiar with at all. Just going by a map. You know. Whatever. One one map too. One Spoiler map. alert. One <laughs> map. <laughs> what a great scene! Holy hell, the way those characters break down in that movie is oh, yeah. great. Oh yeah. You're gonna go camp out there to investigate a real murder that really did happen. You're gonna go investigate that because maybe the woods are haunted, and you're hoping you're hoping to prove that. It's exactly why black people look at white people like they're crazy. You guys are fucking crazy. I want you guys to turn on fucking, uh, depending on where you guys are listening around the world, dude. Shout out overseas. Thanks again for all your love. Dude, turn on any kind of paranormal show, any kind of ghost hunter show, and point me out one black dude on the squad. Oh, wait. You can't fucking do it, can you? Fuck that shit, dude. We got ghosts in our present day. We don't need to go look for fucking ghosts, all right? (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, man. Um... On to our one and dones, horror movie of the year, as you expect, Blair Witch Project. Our black classic of the year, Life. Good fuck, great fucking, hysterical fucking movie. Couldn't make, couldn't make comedy of the year either, man. Couldn't make comedy of the year. Tough shit. If you guys never seen Life, dude, rip Life. Good oh, movie, dude. Awesome movie. Sports movie of the year, Varsity Blues. Hell yeah, of course. My One of my favorite, dude. Oh my god, dude. What a great great fucking sports movie. I'm gonna turn 29 at the end of August, and for people who were in fucking 7th grade when that shit came out, dude, yo, I'm telling you, it. I know we talked about it before, but great time for teen movies, dude. Best chase scene, The Mummy, which was literally just one giant chase scene. For real. Brandon Fraser, there's just something about Brandon Fraser running. He made it work. Oscar Gold of the Year, Mike. I'm gonna gonna let you get this one. I'm I'm gonna let you guess this one. 1999? Yeah. I don't know what. Cider House Rules. With Michael Caine? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that's 99. I didn't know. Yeah, they went for it, dude. 
But he won. They won. Oh, they won. We usually, you know, usually goes hand in hand. It usually goes hand in hand when you fucking go for it. Best opening, Toy Story 2. Do you remember the opening of this movie? I do not. So, Buzz Lightyear is on a mission. Comes onto a planet, sneaks in, and he battles Zorg, who ends up, you know, being his father. They did the whole Star Wars joke. And it's this great scene where, you know, it's like a classic. He's sneaking into the lair. He sneaks in. He starts fighting them. And he does this he does this backflip. And Zorg turns around and just fucking blasts him. And it turns out that it's the T-Rex playing yeah, the yeah. Buzz Lightyear game with Buzz Lightyear next to him. He's like, oh, you almost had him. <laughs> it was just like the way... You know how Disney does everything perfectly. Just the way that Zorg just literally... like Buzz Lightyear does this amazing backflip. And he just literally just turns around and fucking boom. <laughs> He's just his legs and they topple over. <laughs> it was great. And best ending... The Sixth Sense. Oh, hell yeah. Because, I mean... Dude, I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's because I was... But no, because I always feel like I was able to conceptualize movies, even though even though I was younger. My mom brought me to see this when I was in seventh grade. No fucking clue. Blue... No idea. No idea. If you guys have never seen it, I'm going to spoil it for you. No idea it was the ghost. No no idea it was that. None. That is the ultimate stupid spoiler alert. Like, I I never got to watch the movie because I already knew Bruce Willis was the ghost. So just, yeah, so you were fucked, huh? Yeah. You can't conceptualize the film ever. When you watch no. it, you're gonna be like, "This sucks." Yeah. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I know, dude, dude, no, that's the funniest thing about it too. Is because now that I'm thinking about it, that movie was made for one year of people to see. Like, if you weren't cognitive that year, that's and it. if you didn't see it within the first six months that it came out, you cannot watch this fucking film because from the first scene, if you know he's the ghost, you're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." I mean, I can watch it play out, but I mean... Yeah, you can watch it play out, but... Dude, the worst thing about it is they actually show his death scene, and you just think he survives, because they never see him die. What happens is, is one of his... He's a psychiatrist. One of his fucking crazy patients breaks into the house and shoots him. But mm. it's an, it, it seems like a non-life-threatening wound. And his fucking wife is calling the ambulance, and then the scene just cuts. And then they're in the kitchen together, you know what I'm saying? So you think he survives. So, like, if you've never... If you know the ending, but you've never seen the film, you're gonna be literally one minute in and be like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sucks. I mean, though, you know, like, I, we, me and you grew up uh, knowing that Darth Vader was... My, yeah, my entire father. life. Yeah. My entire life. So, I mean, I... But that's still a, a great enough movie where it doesn't matter. Yeah, it didn't ruin the film. Empire Strikes Back is the shit. Quote of the year... Keanu Reeves. No. Let me stop the bullet. Oh Matrix yeah. Matrix one. Come on. Yeah, I thought I thought you might have I thought you might have went. Um, I know kung fu. That was great, <laughs> dude. That was I loved that line. I mean, There's a lot of good ones just because this fucking his face, man. He's he's it's, great. Yeah. First rule of Fight Club. Oh yeah. You don't talk about Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. What's that a- that shit transcended fucking a lot of shit because people just use it for shit now. First, first rule of Pearl Street Cinema. You don't talk about Pearl Street Cinema. But don't, please do. Tell tell everyone you know. <laughs> tell everyone. I, Mike, I don't want your life. <laughs> Varsity Blues. Great. It, and it's not really how he says it. It's the face. It's the James Vanderbeek. Yeah. Uh, the Drake face. I don't want your life, Dad. <laughs> but number one. I see dead people. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it, it sucks because I like to have a lot of fun with this section, but once again, these four huge cultural sayings are just too big to ignore. You gotta you gotta do it. Downtown by myself and I had so much time to sit down and think about myself and then there she was Like double cherry pie yeah, there she was Like disco superfly I smell sex and can you hear Who's that lounging in my chair Who's that casting devious stares in my direction Mama, this show and now we get in to a little more of the serious part of the podcast, a little part it's called the gold standard, and we start with best supporting performance, 
Number four, Matt Damon as Loki, the angel of death in uh, Dogma. Really good performance, dude. Really good stuff. Um, his back and forth with Ben Affleck is great. Talk about good opening scenes. Another one I could have talked about was Dogma, where... The th- bus? There's, no, that they're sitting at the airport. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Matt Damon is going on this long, drowned-out argument with this nun. And now, mind you, he's the angel of death. He, he knows God. He's met God. He, f- he has flipped God off and got kicked out of heaven by God. Ben Affleck's sitting there at the airport because he loves to see that human experience of, he's like, hey, he's cheating on her and he's cheating on him, but hey, they're just so happy to see each other. Matt Damon's talking to a nun and t- saying basically that Alice in Wonderland is um, the Bible. It's the story of the Bible. And he literally convinces her that God does not exist. Because he likes, and I quote, to keep the clergy on their toes. <laughs> great, great back and forth. We're going to talk about another scene later in uh, Scene of the Year, but uh, great as the angel of death. Especially at the end when he's drunk and he's like, when Ben Affleck just starts dropping people at the end of the movie, he's just like, he's just gone too far, man. <laughs> I, just wanted to, I just wanted to go home. Like, he plays such a sensitive, soft guy. It's great. Jimmy Fox, any given Sunday, just charisma up the ass, dude. Charisma up the ass. He just like Jamie Fox was like born to play hot shot quarterback. I mean, it's fucking awesome performance. Good movie, little long, but uh, definitely recommend. Oliver Stone, Al Pacino, Cameron Diaz, really good movie. Number Best movie she's ever been in. Uh, probably right. She was in... I mean, something about Mary. True. True. That's a big one. True. I also like The Mask. I do like The Mask. Not a good role for her, though. No. No, but I, there's something about Mary's probably which she's most yeah, famous for. probably, yeah. The hair thing, it's just... It, yeah. In Brett Favre. <laughs> Brad Pitt, Fight Club. But... Number one, Mike. Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, yeah, Morpheus. Morpheus. He kills it, dude. I mean, just, we've already talked about it. Lawrence Fishburne's the man. So many great classic roles, but this one is just fucking, like you said, so cryptic, so, so sure, though. Like, even though he's like, I don't know if he's the one, he just, he's got that, you know, I can lead you through type of vibe. You know what I mean? Like, that's why his crew, like, loves him and, like, they go when they go to rescue him. You know, it's just it, he's he's great. Oh he's yeah, great. dude. From a from a viewer standpoint, and it's like this, like you said, a lot of great roles with anything he's in. He's one of those people that's instantly recognizable. Tall, super dark, black dude, fucking bald. But you never are looking at Larry Fishburne. Like it's never Lawrence Fishburne. Like you when he's playing a character, you're like I believe that nigga's Morpheus. Yeah, I believe we're batteries, and I'm just watching this at my house. He convinced me that we're batteries. We're in the Matrix. Yeah, for real. Imagine, imagine the guys who went and saw that high when it came out, <sighs> dude. Like yo, yo, what saw, is going on? I saw it in theaters. Stone Soulbirds with Judy Williams. Yep, shout out mom. Buy me all these movie tickets so I could talk about him fucking <laughs> fucking seventeen years later on a podcast, podcast like a dick. Best actor. Ed Norton, Fight Club. Another great Norton performance. Four? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good year, dude. Um but, well actually I'd go three because I'll put Keanu as Neo. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Ed Norton three. I like that remix. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's because it's kind of like Ed Norton playing himself. You know what I mean? Like or that character that he's played a lot. Yeah. But you, I mean, he was really good. Fight Club. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, it's really good. But I just don't think it's enough. To, not ra- not enough range for him. Like you know, that's in your wheelhouse. So it's like yeah. 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 But I mean, once again, good enough to get the nom. Number two, Heather Donahue, Blair Witch. Yeah. I mean that 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 camera scene alone to pull off with the booger. And the crying to mom. I mean, not an easy thing to do. Once again, unsympathetic character. Because she's a complete, like, bitch in that movie. Not to mention, you fucking put yourselves in harm's way like you said. This is why black people have no fucking sympathy for you. No sympathy. So, like, there's there's the the unsympathetic part. There's not much to work with. I mean, they're 
you know, they're they're in the woods, literally just breaking down psychologically and arguing with each other. Mm-hmm. And she just does such a good job because it's the only way this movie works. Because if the characters are good, yeah, it's true. It's the only way it works. And I feel like, dude, like you've seen many fucking cam shot movies, as they're called now. Like you said, it's the first of all, you know. And natural dialogue is fucking hard to do. Like, they seemed like it was natural dialogue. Remember right. before, the night before they go into the woods and they're in the hotel room chilling and shit? Yeah. Like, drinking beers? Dude. Fucking with each other. That was that. so natural of dialogue. So I'll give her a shout out for that, too. Because it's hard. Dude, like, if me and you started fucking filming something, it wouldn't be as natural as this. Oh, sorry about that, folks. The uh, fire alarm went off. Jesus, dude. That thing is loud as fuck, bro. Dude, if your neighbors just didn't want to hear me fucking yell on Monday nights when I'm high on drugs, dude, they could just come over and knock on the door. They didn't have to burn your apartment down. Right? Oh, I wouldn't doubt it if our fucking neighbors burned our apartment down. But anyway, uh, you were talking about the natural way they were talking to each other. And yeah, like you said, that takes work. I mean, that it's not an easy thing to do. Once again, they're, they're literally just in the woods talking to each other the whole movie. So, Shout out to her. But number one, um, we're going with the Oscar this time uh kevin spacey american beauty oh really good film not mentioned before in the cast really good film dude really good film uh he it won best picture um he won best actor as it, it's it's a real i watched it for the first time um about a year ago really weird movie very existential, very kind of like acid trippy type movie. Yeah. But I mean, dude, dude, midlife crises are a fucking thing, dude. Like those shits will hit you hard, bro. Min, min, midlife crisis. Kevin Spacey um, is the father of uh, the teenage girl, and uh, he's in love with one of the cheerleaders, right? Yeah. Why can't I think of the chick's name? It's... She's famous. Uh, With the infamous rose petal scene, she opens up her cheerleading uniform and you're expecting to get some good old American boobies in your life, but then rose petals... Like, we're talking... It's a very existential, strange movie. What's her name? And then there's this strange neighbor kid who sells him weed and the father thinks he's having... Kevin Spacey's having an affair with the guy. And it's a really weird movie. Very fucking strange movie, dude. I don't want to live in the suburbs ever. <laughs> you people scared. Because you me, think dude. it's just like Disturbia where just like weird shit's going on all the time and everybody it, just ignores it. It really is, dude. Or like the Stepford Wives where it's like... Everybody's <laughs> robots. Yeah, everybody's a fucking robot, dude. <laughs> it's the Matrix, man. It's the Matrix. We're all batteries. We're all batteries hooked up to a circuit. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Kevin Spacey who does awesome in American Beauty. Is that his only Oscar? Yes. Damn, he's T- been... Dude, He's been snubbed, huh? Dude, dude, De Niro and Pacino only have one. It's hard to get two, man. It's fucking stupid for Pacino, though. Because I know we talked about it last cast, but this guy was nominated five years in a row. And then one for the lesser of fucking the movies. Yeah. Ridiculous, dude. You know what I? You know what else was crazy about that, too? Um, 93, he was nominated for Best Supporting and Best Actor. One for uh, Son of a Woman, Best Supporting for Glenn Gary Ross. I didn't know that, dude. I didn't know it either. Looked it up. Dude, and I, I said this before, too, Dick Tracy is one of, like, my my favorite comic book films. It's not really that great of a film, but it's very well acted because there's just so many he was nominated stars for that in it, too. and he was nominated for that, too. I, did, yep. I didn't even realize until I was doing this last week. It's one of my favorite films. Dude, he might be villain of the year 1990. You, got, <laughs> you have to watch this film and the job he does as Big Boy Caprice, dude. He's fucking phenomenal, dude. And then uh, Injustice for All was the other one, 1980. One for eight, he is. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. And five straight, 72 through 77. Five Four. straight. Four straight. Four, yeah. 72, 72. Oh, yeah, 72. So, yeah, Godfather. Uh, Serpico. Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then, yeah, Injustice for All in 80. Crazy Al Pacino run. Best director, um, Eduardo Sanchez, Blair Witch Project. Yep. David Fincher, Fight Club. Yep. Sixth Sense. M. Night Shyamalan, and our winners, come on, the the Wachowski brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, champ. The Matrix, come on. I mean, uh, Blair Witch Project, really good. Once again, the first found, the first of its type, the found footage, so 
obviously a huge challenge when you're literally recording with a handheld camera for a movie. David Fincher, Fight Club, completely Fincher. You know, it's fucking it, crazy. It, it's got David Fincher in all over it. It's great movie. Um, Gritty as fuck. Yeah, and Norton is, um, he's this guy, and he's living his perfect materialistic life. He's got his perfect Ikea couch and apartment, and he's he's a traveling salesman. And uh, one day he meets Brad Pitt, Tyler Durden, who's just this completely opposite guy. He lives in a, a squatted house. He sells soap by stealing fat and making it himself. And, sealing, and selling it to department stores. And Ed Norton loves it. You know, his apartment gets blown up. He goes and moves in with Brad Pitt. And he's like, oh, this life is great. You know, I don't I don't got to deal with my mundane job and my mundane materialistic fucking bullshit. And one night, they get into a fight in the middle of the parking lot. And they start Fight Club. And it's just a way to get out that male aggression that they all have. And as it continues to go along, it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. Great book, by the way, too. Never read it. I have it. By uh, Chuck uh, Palanak. I I can never say his last name. But he's written some other really good stuff, too. And he, like, very hard book to make a movie about, but uh, David Fincher, perfect guy to do it. But, I mean, what... And I also shout out to M. Night Shyamalan, who, you know, it's a twist, you know, I mean, it's a joke by now, but that movie was very good, and that is a really awesome twist. You know, it's it's super hard to pull that off. That, yeah, dude, like I said before, totally believable, dude. I was, I was 100% sucked in, dude. He did a really, really fucking good job with it. I don't like any of his other films, though. Let me just, quick disclaimer, not a one- it's like the movie equivalent of a magic trick, you know what I mean? Like, once the secret is revealed to you, it's like, oh, it's obvious, but it's hard to create that illusion. And, you know, by all accounts, you did a really good fucking job. And with this film, it was right in front of your face the entire fucking time, people. And you you literally kick yourself, like Fujo said, you're like, how the fuck, how have I, I'm watching this shit for an hour and 40 minutes, I didn't fucking know, dude? Like, yeah, he did a really good job. But, I mean, what, what those guys did with the matrix was just unbelievable they wrote it they directed it so it was all them i mean the story the graphics you know we already dove in about it but i mean this is a completely made up world i mean that's so hard to do and you know it became one of the best and most famous made up universes of all time yeah even if they didn't write it i still think you got to give it to them right probably yeah, yeah just just what they did visually yeah and then writing it it's just cherry on top for you yeah but it was it was almost like the culmination of like science fiction movies you know what i mean like it it took it took science fiction to the next level with what the you know the tone of it and the visuals and the characters and the concept and just everything they did was just unbelievable was that was that like the theme at the end of the 90s where it was like in 84 fucking james cameron brought it to us and it was like, oh, Skynet, everything becoming self-aware. And then at the end, it's kind of like the Matrix big thing, like about, you know, computers, maybe like, you know, overstepping their bounds a little bit, using us as batteries, dude. And then fucking kind of like, how do I want to say this? Like Fight Club, not so much in the same sense, but it's like you creating your own fantasy world to make it more palatable for you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, is it like, was it like that Generation X thing at the end where it's like, do we just do this because we don't want to face the harsher realities of life. We just lie to ourselves. We create false fucking... Yeah, that was part of it. You're 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 on the right track. Because, um, you know, as, as it, you know, it keeps going in the second and the third one. It was more about, yeah, trying to conceptualize life. Yeah. Why are we here? That's, yeah. it, that's really the big question. Like, you know, trying to just grab onto something like you know why are we here what's going on what's really going on you know and god is it something about the time though because you know i mean from fucking 45 to fucking 90 it's the cold war people got bigger shit to worry about but then like gen xers we live with fucking 
with the first Bush and Clinton, and it's all just surpluses, and we're not really involved in any wars. We get the dot com boom. Do we have more time to sit around and be like, oh, I'm, I'm feelings, not my feelings? And yeah, and like reality bites, and we already talked about Office Space. Yeah. Where yeah, that was a big thing in the late '90s. Was the existentialism was like, who the fuck am I? Yeah, yeah. It, it it was it was like you said when. When we don't have major problems to worry about, we just start looking inward yeah. because I mean, we just that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, we we need something. We need something. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Throughout history, dude, you have you have peace, and then look at the Renaissance comes around because nobody's fucking fighting and killing each other. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So you take all of those things together, and I mean, once again, the Matrix it's one of a kind. Nobody's been able to do anything really close since. I mean, there's been other stuff, but I mean, just the vast amount of concepts and themes and the, the how giant that world was was just amazing the second one's awesome too I'm, I'm really sad that they had to dumb down the third one because people were getting mad because there weren't there was more action in the second one even though I think that that half an hour scene in the second one is the greatest action sequence that is ever made. Starting in the mansion, ending on the highway. For real, with the fucking two dudes who look like Scandinavian yeah. supermodels. Yeah, yeah, those two fucking yeah. weird guys. It was literally like a half an hour. Like I'm like, holy shit! There's like 20 minutes in, we're still going. They're like when they're riding on the fucking the Cadillac. buses and on, then the Cadillac STS, they like jump. And yeah, yeah, it's a sick ass fucking. And, and it all started back at the mansion when they're arguing with the fucking architect. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ! It's fucking dope. So, movie of the year, um, to get Toy Story back, I think Toy Story 2 is one of the four best movies in 1999. I can see that. And it's it's a little bit of a shot at the year because it, there, it, wasn't, it wasn't a super great year in terms of our, our classic best movies, but the other ones, Fight Club, American Beauty, Matrix, I mean, these are all really, really good movies, but they're also very... They were, it was like kind of the definition of the 90s, you know what I mean? They're all, all actually, all four of them are existential. I didn't even yeah. really notice that. Yeah. American Beauty with the Midnight Clis- the Crisis. Fight Club, same thing, mm-hmm. with guys in their 30s mm-hmm. who are living this materialistic life. The Matrix, obviously, with everything in life. And then even Toy Story 2, growing up. Yeah. Father issues with uh, Buzz Lightyear and Zorg is his father, you yeah. know what I mean? And... Andy getting new toys, and the same thing with the first one and the third one. I mean, all very 90s movies. Oh, very, very 90s movies, dude. Very, dude. Short, only Fight Club and American Beauty, two hours. Matrix, two hours. They're all kind of the same. It's weird. Kind of dark. All very dark, gritty. I, like, I hate to use that word because Batman ruined that word for everybody. Well, dude, it's because nobody ever fucked with the 90s, that's why. Like, Batman was like, oh, it's so gritty. But no, dude, you want to watch a gritty movie, watch Reservoir Dogs. That's what gritty means. The people don't understand, dude. Like, I think American Beauty's gritty in a way where it looks... It it was a hard look at what, like you said, what suburbia... Like, what life really is. It re- you know what really I mean? is when you look under the layer, dude. You yeah. know what term that I hear critics use a lot, and I never really fucking thought about it until we started doing this podcasting when they say a non-flinching look like you know just fucking look at it for what it is dude and just be like ooh so maybe like maybe there's nobody getting fucking curb stomped and maybe there's nobody getting fucking gasoline thrown on them but it's like a non-flinching like damn this is real gritty shit right here right like it's not it's not some suburban fairy tale, but it's also people aren't getting lit up and doing heroin and shit. But, you know, this guy's smoking pot and he's having fantasies about 17-year-old girls. It's, it's that, you know, it's that whole thing. Same thing with Fight Club, you know, a little more extreme in it, but shit like that does happen, you know. Oh, yeah, dude. All the time. It's not as well organized, but, I mean, shit like that is going on all the time. Oh, definitely, dude. Definitely. But, I mean, the, how can you not give it to the Matrix? You know what I mean? You gotta. You just... Like, once we've spent the whole... I mean, once again, like I say, this this whole point of the movie awards is supposed to be a build-up. Yeah. And you can just tell the way we're talking about all the different awards, it's, it's the Matrix. And now on to our last award. I think my favorite award of the night. Scene of the Year. Yeah! I love Scene of the Year. Number four... We're going to go with Dogma, the voodoo scene. Yeah, hell yeah, I can see. So, as Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are going on this cross-country trip to New Jersey from Wisconsin to uh, walk through the arch, um, they want to take down Mubi, which is a fictional cow. It's, it's, this, it's basically like Mickey Mouse 
essentially. It, it's in all of Kevin Smith's, you know, that, that view askew universe. It's, it's a big thing. So they, they just literally, the, the scene starts with a boardroom sitting down for Movie World. And they're talking about their great profits and da da da. And the head, the head of the board's like, what's that smell? Is that onions? And Matt Damon is literally just sitting on an, a chair next to the, the table, carving an onion, carving a voodoo doll. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing in here? And Ben Affleck walks in, and he does his whole spiel about, he breaks down literally everything they have. Two theme parks, a television show, nine movies. And he's like, did I forget anything? And the guy goes, oh yeah, I forgot the movie magazine. He's like... Oh, he gets all, like, pissed off. And he basically does his whole God's decree. You know, you have been... You are... The movie is a slide against God because it takes away praise and worship. It's a false idol. Yeah, yeah, it's a false idol. And Matt Damon comes in. He's like, I can't believe you fucking forgot about the magazines. <laughs> and he goes on to break down every bad thing that all of the board members done. One of them disowned their gay son. One of them embellished... One of them threw their mother in a third-rate nursing home. I love when Bath- Ben Affleck does the Mr. Peterson over here dipped into company funds to go to Thailand to have sex with an 11-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the head of the boardroom, you don't even hear what he said, but they imply that he molested his son. Yeah, yeah. And they so they go through this whole thing. And Ben Affleck walks out of the room, and Matt Damon goes, there is a decent one of you motherfuckers in here. And he he's about to walk out, and he's like, oh, I forgot my voodoo doll, this little, <laughs> this little dog carved out of onion. And he's like, you know, it does kind of look like you. And like he, he, starts to, he starts to get into it, and he screams, and he crushes it. Nothing happens. He walks out laughing. He's like, voodoo? I don't believe in voodoo. And he walks back in with his forty-five. He goes, but I do believe in this. <laughs> he go, he proceeds to kill everybody in the room. It's a great fucking scene. They have a lot of good ones in that movie, but that that takes well. Once again, the bus scene. And the bus scene is fucking is, good is another too. good. But the the the, the board room is just a great build up. Great everything about that scene is fucking awesome. Number three. Ooh. Uh yeah, number three. Fight Club, when Ed Norton goes to see his boss, oh, and he's yeah, gonna get dude. fired, oh, dude. and he starts to punch himself in the face and beg for mercy. It is a very well done scene. It literally looks like he is kicking the shit out of himself. Doesn't he like grab himself by the tie and like run himself across the room? Yeah, dude, yeah, dude at, fucking great. At dude. the end, and then of course the other employees come in right at the right, the yeah. wrong time. So he gets a complete settlement. He, yeah. he, and he doesn't, he's never gonna have to work again. <laughs> it's a great scene. Like when he punches himself through the glass fucking shelves, and it just <laughs> like he he great scene. Great scene. I really think Edward Norton was punching himself in the face. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. You know him. He was just like, whatever, I'll man up. Give me a couple cigarettes. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Number two, near and dear to my heart, near and dear to Mike's heart, The Inches Speech. Oh, yeah. From Any Given Sunday. Oh, yeah, dude. Probably, probably, is it the best sports speech you think you've ever seen in a movie? I think it is for me. Yeah, it speaks to my generation because speaks to our generation because all the other big sports speeches were from movies from fucking so long ago. You know, this movie came out like when we were kids, and like you said, the characters were flawed people. They were like, you know, like you could see yourself being one of those douchebags oh, on yeah. that team. Oh yeah, dude. James or James Woods is a fucking dick in that movie. I think he's like that in real life. That's he what people be, around right? Holloway Hollywood say. People don't do. People don't say the same shit about you for twenty years unless you're a dick. Casino, like he did the same thing. He always, he's always playing scumbags. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But number one, our scene of the year, it has to come from the movie of the year, The Rescue of Morpheus. Yes, dude. Starting with them loading up, they walk into the hotel, they have the big shootout with everybody, they go up the elevator, it's raining on them, they get the helicopter, you know, Morpheus jumps, Neo catches them, and then. Neo is getting dragged by the rope, and he literally is able to pull the helicopter and save it. And you it. see, and dude, and the, 
Is that the first time they do it? Well, it's not the first time they do it, but like you were talking about before, they make the CGI look bad. Yeah. Because he breaks the Matrix. Like, when the helicopter hits the fucking... The glass. Hits the glass and it's... Yeah, that's such a fucking cool scene, dude. Unbelievable action scene. Just the, the, the shot of Morpheus just, you know, again... It's raining on him, yep. and from the the sprinkler system, and he's and he pulls the he pulls the the stim things out of his head, and he's yeah, he's like getting up, his eyes are rolled back in his head. It's just it's an awesome, awesome scene, awesome scene, dude. And I remember there was very few action sequences shown in the trailers because obviously they didn't want to fucking ruin it. But I remember one thing in the trailer I remember seeing when I was a kid was her when they go in and she looks at him and he's just like, yeah, just put it through. And they just yeah. put the bag of guns through. And, then, and Dude, everybody just, all the security guards, they just look at her and then she fucking takes those first two dudes before she pulls out the two MAC-10s and she runs up the wall sideways. Too ill, dude. I mean, it's one of the best action sequences ever. For real. It's an awesome one. And... It, it's the climax of the movie. Oh, yeah. That's when the the guy's like tank is watching the ship. He's like, and everybody's like, "Holy shit!" Like maybe Neo is the one. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the first time in the movie where, where you're, you, yeah, yeah, they're like, "Oh shit!" Like maybe I mean this guy is literally holding onto a helicopter, swinging it. <laughs> so yeah, maybe this guy is the one. Great, great scene, great movie, great and year, great dude. It's just a phenomenal year. Um. We'll end with the Juice Award, of course. Uh, this year it came down to Tom Hanks, who dropped a movie called Green Mile that didn't show up in these movie awards. Like I like to say, man, a solid B. Just doesn't just doesn't hit anywhere. If Tom Hanks had made ten less movies, I mean, Green Mile, obviously, for sure. But he cranks them out so much, man, you take them for granted. I fucking... Dude, I get a lot of flack from this, but it's it's my it's in my top three Stephen King movies. Like, there's some movies that I would leave out to watch. I, I'm a huge Stephen King nerd, if you guys haven't known from the from the cast, but I just, I love this shit. It's near and dear to my heart. Top but, three? Yeah. What's the best Stephen King movie? The Shining. Yeah. And then two, yeah, if you want to do two, three interchangeable, that's fine. Dude, I know some people who say dumb shit like Cujo. So what? <laughs> like, seriously, like, <laughs> fucking dumb so shit. So what, what do you think is number two, then? I mean, I flip flop a lot, dude. Like, I like Stand by Me is really good, but it took you. I, I'm I'm very upset with how long it took you to say that. I mean, dude, I flip. I like I said all the time. I flip. I flip flop when it comes to Stephen King, dude. I love all of his shit so much, dude. I love a ton of his stuff, dude. But he also fucking um, he also wrote Running Man, and Running Man is very near and dear to my heart, dude. He's got he's got a lot of gold. I, I think that Stand by Me and The Shining are a cut above everything else. I think those are always... When you mention the first two, you can mention either one, by the way. I think those are interchangeable. Yeah, like, you could say Stand By Me. I, w- I, I would just take The Shining, but exactly. you could say Stand By Me if you want to. I think to. those two are cut above everything else, and then I think there's a lot of other good ones, like The Stand. Really and, good. And It. It's very good. Better book, though. Far better book than... Well, movie. of course. I mean, because it's a huge character dive. It's, it is. It's a giant... Then The movie's what? four hours it's it's two parts that's how they made it they made it two parts right so yeah i think it is four hours or it was like an hour and a half each mini series or something you see they were like making that. that dude i think somebody did tell me something about that dude. i actually subscribed i'll take it i mean i'll watch it because i want to see because you can't do spider now it has to be different so i think there are just i think there's some movies that you can remake you think they're gonna do spider that was the twist everybody knows it's like it's like the sixth sense you can't do spider now everybody knows it's spider and if you don't know what Spider, fuck you guys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, dude. I'm just kidding. I, I just think there's... I think there's some movies that deserve to be remade for a newer generation. I feel like it is one of them. True. What about Pet Cemetery? Pet Cemetery is in my top five. Eh, no, it's not in your top five? It's not a good movie. It's really not a good movie, but the book was so good that I, I know. It so it's just that's, it, that's that's always that's pro- true. It is. If you're projecting movie. the book out of the movie, that is what I'm doing. I mean, dude, he's got so much gold too. Like, there's shit that we forgot about. Pet Cemetery is like a B-list horror movie. It is a B-list horror movie. People love it, dude. It's because of the cat. <laughs> church. <laughs> Shout out Church. Salem's Lot. Why are we forgetting a film? I feel like we're forgetting a Stephen King film. Oh, like I mean, one. there's a fucking ton of them, dude. You see that? Misery. 
Oh my god. We forgot about Misery. James Cod. Jimmy Cod. Jimmy Cod. Santino. Oh, we also talked about last night. I like just in just in the middle of the darkness, Mike goes, I like James Cod. I like Jimmy Cod, dude. Like, dude, you, you can tell that Jimmy Cod is definitely having a beer with you. He's not fucking around, dude. We almost went a whole podcast without a stupid riff. Like we were yeah, right we there. Were good, yeah. Literally <laughs> yeah. all I have to say is Ed Norton. <laughs> is the winner of the Juice Award because of American History X Rounders last year and Fight Club this year. But no, 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 no. I was literally two (laughs) minutes away. A little wrap-up. Stay Frosty, boys. We're out. (laughs) We almost got there. And then Jimmy Conn and Stephen King movies fucking sons of bitches! We were right there. Yeah, but Ed Norton, that juice list is fucking fire, though. Yeah, I mean, look at those, dude. And he's the new man in Hollywood. He was in Primal Fear in 95. I mean, he's fucking... Tom Hanks is literally overjuiced, you know what I mean? Like, he's still churning him out, but, like, you know, there's something to be said about the new guy. Eventually, you know, it's like in fantasy football when you don't want to take a great player because he's boring, you know what I mean? Like, the the seven-year vet, the Greg Jennings of the world who you know are going to be good, but, hey, there's this new sexy rookie, you know, and you take him, that's how this is right now. Yeah, you got the new young wide receiver just coming out of Clemson, or you could take Gronk. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll take the new kid. Have some fun with my yeah. with my time. That's how it is. So, Ed Norton. In 95 for Primal Fear, nominated, right? His first ever role. He was nominated Best Supporting. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, so his juice is strong. With Richard Gere. Strong. And he should have been, you know, should have won for American History X. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Sure. Let's, not, let's not let Nick, because this podcast will be another 20 minutes. So on that note, that is 1999, a fun year, a very pop culture there. Jesus, man. Still making references about it to this day, and we Still. always will. Always will. Near and dear to our hearts. I like, I like 1999. God damn, it doesn't feel like 17 years ago, though. Tearing, like, up, tearing up my heart when I'm with you, Mike. <laughs> oh, did you pull that genie out of a bottle? <laughs> Alright, before we get another 10 deep, I'm Nick Fugil. I'm Mike Williams. Stay frosty, boys.